You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. If you have your Bibles, I'm sure you do probably, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10. And if you can stand, just for a few verses we'll read, I don't want to because we're going to be looking at the whole chapter a little bit, we'll jump around some. But we'll look at just the first two verses to kind of get us started, and we'll have a word of prayer. And I wouldn't call this, you know, I know Brother Jeff figure out pretty soon this is not really homiletically everything it ought to be, but I'm really just trying to deal with the fact that it's, we're looking at Veterans Day, and I think that a lot of people have never seen what the Bible has to say about the military and I want you to know and maybe it'll make some changes in our attitudes and I'm not worried about your attitude but the attitude of others you still have a lot of wonderful people I mean just just since I've been here this weekend going to Home Depot and places like that we're in a ball cap and of course says uh, Navy on it and it says submarines I'd rather die on a rubber raft than go to sea on a surface craft and that'll get me some trouble. I'll probably get whipped out in a parking lot, but <laughs> uh, whatever the case like that. Okay, Acts chapter 10, first couple of verses. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, and one that feared God with all his house which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. Father, thank you for the privilege we have, as already been said by Pastor, for have the freedom to come together and sing. How I love seeing the people greet each other and the smiles on the faces. Knowing that the people they're shaking hands with and looking at, no matter what our age, our physical condition, we just don't have friends for a little while. When we trust Christ, we are friends forever. Brothers and sisters, forever. And I don't want to forget that. I pray that you illumine our hearts and minds to understand what you might have for us from this particular man in Scripture. We ask it in the most gracious name and for Christ's sake, amen. May be seated. You know, standing at the forefront of history or the wars that have been fought, particularly those that have resulted in a good major change, positive change. The outcomes of wars, you know, humanly speaking, is the preparation, dedication, and the sacrifice that is made by those in the military. Among our greatest heroes in America, many of those have been military people. Our text centers around one particular military man. The great events that unfolds, need not have to have been a military man, but it was. I don't know that he chose that. It just happened to be. I mean, the campaigns that soldiers were in many times, they had no idea how big of an operation they were involved in. I think that's probably true in the Lord's work as well, or many other ways. But I just want to take some sections and look at this man. And I ask you the question, have you ever taken note of the military's part in the gospel? 
I almost want to ask you to raise your hands, but I know you may be tempted because you know there's some. Now, let me confess my own ignorance, and I am a military man. Pastor, I just didn't notice that much. And it's blessed my heart to see it. And so some of these will just be verses that I'll read for you once we get on into the text some more so that you can see for yourself. And first of all, we are seeing Car Cornelius, the centurion. I think you know what centurion means. It's a, it comes from the same word we get century, which means 100. The centurion normally was responsible for 100. In chasing that down a little bit more, I found that some of those centurions were above and beyond the call of duty and that instead of just having 100, they might have 200, they might even have 300. Primarily, it lets you know for sure, they had as a minimum 100 men under them. If you've read much about Rome, you would know that the centurion was the backbone of the Roman army. Now also, if you've ever done that, if you want to compare nations that precedes us that we're the most like, most likely Rome in a lot of ways, and in some ways good, and in some ways not. Rome was never defeated from the outside. The moral fiber in Rome just dissolved, deteriorated, and it failed basically from the inside. Does that sound familiar? Because our greatest danger in America, we're thinking, well, we're worried about China. Well, that can happen. And we're concerned about Russia, but I'm a lot more concerned about the attitude of the American people themselves. Yes. Now look at young people. You better think about what someone else gave you. God knows what you got. And you should carry it on, and if you can, make it better than it's ever been before. I feel like I owed my dad a debt. I couldn't wait till I was old enough to get in the military. I tried it when I was 16, and you have to be 17, but they checked my school records and caught me. And you say, you're being dishonest. I was. <laughs> and then I kind of forgot about it, but on my 17th birthday, there was a knock on my door, and it was a recruiter. He still had all my paperwork. <laughs> he said, come with me. <laughs> and I did, and... So he kind of had me tied down for just a little while. A certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a satyrian, so of a hundred men or more. But look at verse two, a devout man. We could give an invitation about that. I think about how many devout men we have in our churches across the country. And when I'm thinking about the word devout, what does devout mean? It means committed 100%. It means committed and I look at this man's life and I want to look at his life and think about, well, Dave Hardy, is there something here for you to learn? I'm going to be a little bit embarrassed if somebody else is more committed. I mean, people may have more talent, but we can all have a 100% commitment. Really, every person in a church ought to have that for their church. You say, well, you're saying that because you're a preacher, pastor. I'm not saying it because of that. A long time before I was ever any kind of a preacher or a pastor. Now, my mom and dad never even went to the church I went to. I never missed. Because I knew there was a God in heaven that loved me and paid a great price for me. 
and I was going to do as much as I possibly could. He was a devout man. I'm asking you as a congregation, where are we compared? This man doesn't know the Lord, but he knows of him. In other words, he's not a saved man at this point. As a matter of fact, since he's not a Jew, he'd be referred to by the Jewish people as a seeker at the gate. You know, someone that seeks, a seeker. In other words, they could not go to the temple. Here are people that maybe want to hear the gospel, but they're not allowed to even hear the gospel at that particular point. And yet, someone would probably say, well, I'll tell you what, if that's the way they're going to be down at that church, then they can just forget it. You're nowhere near a Cornelius. Maybe none of us are. I'm impressed more every time I read about him. And then it says, one that feared God. You know, I got a sermon called Godly Fear Has No Peer. And you read through the Bible about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is there. You say, well, I don't want to just, well, now you got to get it right. I think about Mary and Martha when they were at the tomb and, you know, he was gone. And it said they went away. These are hard to put together, but God can do these kind of things with great fear and great joy. Now you say you can't put those together. You're thinking about the wrong kind of fear. We're not talking about a dad that's going to come home and slap you around the house. That's not the father we have. But it is the kind of father that says, I'll take care of you. I'll look after you. But I'm dead. Is that our father, which are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Are those just words? And what kind of father would we want to have? So here's this man. The devout man. And not only that, <clears throat> and fears God, but it's with all of his house. He, he has taught his family to fear God as well. Now we're talking about a military man that's not saved. Now, how we, you know, would you be honest? A military man that doesn't know Christ yet, and this is where he is. How do we compare that? That sure makes me think, Pastor that he could be that far along in his life and I've been saved all this time and I'm trying to be what I should be. And it says he gave much alms to the people. He cared about others, wanted to help them any way he could. And uh, listen to it, prayed to God always. Scripture talks about praying without ceasing. And who we have here for an example in the book? A military man. A military a military woman. Well, then he saw in the vision things beginning to come to pass. And um, he knew that uh, the Lord wanted to do something in his life, but he didn't really know the Lord in that respect. But he knew that something was going to take place. So he saw in a vision, and I'll sometimes maybe paraphrase that just a little bit, and he sees it's like an angel comes in, and when he looks on him, he was afraid in verse 4, what is it, Lord? He refers to him as Lord, you know, at that point. Probably not. It's probably an angel. And um, he says, Thy prayers and thine alms have come up for a memorial unto God. Now, a memorial is something that we do that we never forget. We have memorials across our country. And the angel says, Your prayers are in such a way they become a memorial in God's sight. Yes. Yeah. One that's going to be a reminder to God, and he's not going to forget it. And this man in his heart, he wants to know more about God. And, they, and he said, send to men to Joppa 
and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with a Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. So send for him. And when the angel which had spoken Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier. So we got one military guy, two civilians of them that waited on him continually. And when he declared all these things on them, he sent them to Joppa. Joppa is 35 miles away. They didn't have a car. In fact, is I don't know that they had any animals. They're not mentioned. So it's a pretty good trip. And it looks like it takes a day and a half or two days. I'm just trying to give you two as I understand it. Verse 9, on the morrow as they went their journey, they drew nigh unto the city. And Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. That'd be noon. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and a vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth. Wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And you remember the Jews were restrained from eating a lot of different animals and meat and so forth. And there came a voice to him saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. And then Peter says something. Do you know Peter puts his foot in his mouth fairly often compared to most of the other men? So rise, kill and eat. And Peter said, Not so, Lord. Now you can't put that together. If he's Lord, you can't say not so. <laughs> and if he is Lord, you're just going to agree with it. I've eaten anything like that. But anyway, verse 15, and the voice spake unto him again the second time, what God hath cleansed, <laughs> Peter, don't you call unclean. And this was done three times or thrice. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold the men which were sent from Cornelius 35 miles away, had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. Now, I want you to think about something for a moment. We can't get an airplane from Tulsa to Dallas-Fort Worth on time. These men are going 35 miles. God times what Peter's doing, going up there, and he's trying to tell Peter because he's getting Peter ready to realize we're going to reach out to the Gentiles. You're not the only people that's going to know Christ are going to be saved. And to do that, he had to remind Peter of the things that he always thought was unclean. And he says, but when I call it clean, buddy, you don't call it unclean. Because he's the one that pays for our sins. He's the one in charge for that. But, but look at verse 17. Look at your Bible. Look at these words now. While, I mean, right at this minute. While Peter is having this dream and coming to, these men are standing at the gate. I mean, right on the second. And God can do that. It's not an hour later or yesterday or tomorrow or anything like that. God knows exactly what he's doing. He does it in the right way. He who tracks the journeying of a hundred billion stars and a hundred million galaxies who knows the past, the history, and the destiny of every speck of dust in, in cosmic space. That's a lot, isn't it? hundred billion stars, hundred million galaxies and knows the path, history, and destiny of every speck of dust in cosmic space knows me. Praise the Lord. And he knows you. 
he knows every piece of dust. There's not anybody in here he doesn't know. And not only that, he knows more about you than your doctor or anybody else will ever know. Every thought that any of us ever have that's come or gone, I'm thinking, you see, that's scary. I think it's exciting. Unless we don't want to be like the centurion. This man with what he had wanted to be everything that God wanted him to be. He was trying to be. He didn't have a church like this to come to. Nobody's hand to shake as a brother or sister in Christ. He's just trying to do what he can do with whatever bit of knowledge that he has, a seeker at the gate. Well, in verse 19, while Peter thought on the vision the Spirit spoke to him, he said, you know, behold, these three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing. I have sent them. Peter's a little hard-headed, but he's going to send them on their way. Verse 22, and there's Cornelius, centurion, a just man, one that feareth God, of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned. Here he is, he's not a Jew, and he can't be one of them, but all of them respect him. God can cause people to like us no matter you can't believe who they might be. But you know, God can do that. And on the morrow, in verse 24, they entered into Caesarea and Cornelius waited for them. And look at this. He called together, verse 24, his kinsmen and near friends. Cornelius knew so little, but somebody that knows God is coming. And he called all of his family. Y'all got to be here. You got to be here. He called all of his friends. I thought I heard something about a friend there. Yes, right. Everybody here's got a friend. Right. Everybody here's probably got several. Why not at least make it your mind you're gonna have at least one here? Amen. The military man did. He got them all together. And it's gonna work out good too. And so they came. Well, I don't want to go through some of these verses here because, you know, really, uh, when Peter walks in, I mean, Cornelius falls on the floor and begins to worship him, and Peter says, no, you can't do that. I'm just paraphrasing. That's for God only. That's not for me. And then verse 34, Peter's looking at all this, and Peter's the one that he doesn't have anything to do with the Gentiles, unclean animals. <laughs> verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Do you know what he just said? It's not just for the Jews. It's for the Gentiles. And I don't mean this the wrong way, so would you answer my question honestly? How many Jewish people, and they're God's people, how many Jewish people might we have here? I'm looking. None? Now, am I missing a hand? Somebody help me out. You a bunch of Gentiles? <laughs> Do you know what this military man did? He just opened the door for you. Yes, sir. That's right. And me. Gentiles were not included up to that point. Again, I said that be a lot of preachers that wish we could do something like that. Maybe we don't have the faith that he had. Verse 35, but in every nation, that's when we do missions, 
He that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. In verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 48, last one in the chapter. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Now, that'd be enough in itself, wouldn't it? This is a real veteran. You know, when Peter meets him and immediately there's a friendship. I want you to see something else about him and that is, if you'd move back to Luke chapter seven just for a moment. I love to hear those pages. The word of God. Let's just jump in the middle of the pond here about uh, maybe verse four. And they came to Jerusalem, to Jesus, excuse me, and besought him instantly because a centurion had a servant that was sick and said that he was worthy for whom he should do this and that's come and heal his servant. It says in verse five concerning the centurion, this is not the same man most likely. We don't know. For he loveth our nation and has built us a synagogue. But anyway, either this same centurion or another one did it. Then Jesus went with them And when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto the Lord, Trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. Now verse 8 is interesting. For I also am a man set under authority. Now think about that. He's a centurion. He did not say, I'm a man in authority. He said, I am a man under authority, but he said, for I also, talking to Jesus, are a man under authority. Which means Jesus was not the authority. Because Jesus always did what his father told him to do. And you know what happened? The centurion understood authority and he recognized it just like that. Today, I think that word would have to be taken out of the dictionary and still maybe not be understood. So what did Jesus eventually say? And look down at verse nine. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, this is so interesting, I have not found so great faith not in Israel. God's chosen people didn't have the faith that the centurion had. Well, well, then also it is a centurion was at the crucifixion. Do you remember that? And at the crucifixion when Christ was giving everything so that you and I could have eternal life, most of them had turned their back that could have. Even the disciples, the apostles, they were afraid And I would understand why they're afraid. 
But there were fishermen there and carpenters there and potters there most likely and farmers. They were all there. But it wasn't the fishermen and maybe they had looked at Jesus and so forth that said this is the man of God. It, it wasn't the people doing the pottery that said that. It was not the farmers. It wasn't anybody else. It was a centurion that said and he was working for the people that killed Jesus. That was the man of God. That was the son of God. It was a centurion that stood his ground at that particular time. A veteran, so to speak. It was a centurion that saved Paul's life from the mob in Acts chapter 21. It was a centurion that later stopped Paul from being flogged in Acts chapter 22. It was a centurion that looked after Paul in Acts chapter 24 and gave him liberty to receive guests. It was a centurion who needed Paul's advice in the storm at sea in Acts chapter 27. It was a centurion that projected Paul and the prisoners on the ship, protected Paul and the prisoners on the ship from being slain by the soldiers in Acts 27. It was a centurion when the prisoners were delivered to the captain of the guard in Rome that provided Paul a separate place to be by himself. What do you think Paul was doing when he had that room by himself? Writing a book in the centurion, make sure he had a place where he could do it. Aren't you glad for the book? Yes, amen. I had no idea, Pastor, that centurions probably for a certain number, they themselves, like the first one we looked at, didn't know the Lord. I'm going to close just with an illustration and we'll be done. There was an old missionary to the Philippines named Fred Knoll. Some of y'all might have even heard of him or known him, but we're going back quite a number of years now. And it would have been back in the 70s that I met Brother Knoll and we supported him. But he had a major stroke over in the Philippines and he, uh, he had to come home. They said he couldn't live there. The climate and everything was so hot, it would, it would kill him. Next time he had one, he'd be dead. So he came home. He came back to Oklahoma. He had a little piece of property that he owned, and he was going to live on that. And so he did just for a few months, and I got a phone call from him, and he said, uh, can I come up and talk to you? And I said, well, sure, Brother Null. I'd be glad to talk to you. And so he comes up, and now he was still on one side, didn't work. So he, he could walk like this, but this one wouldn't work. He just had to do that. And when he got to the pulpit, he just took this one and laid it up there. And I'm at my desk, and he's sitting over there, and, he's, and he got tears in his eyes, and he said, Preacher, God didn't call me to be a farmer. He called me to be a missionary. But the doctor said, If I go back, I'll die. But way back then, he said, I found out there's 50,000 Filipinos in the San Diego area. And I want to go out there and start a church. What do you think? What would you think? What would you say to this old missionary? I thought about it. It's his life. All he wants in his heart is to reach Filipinos. 
I said, Brother Nall, do you think God wants you to go? I'll think you ought to go. Do you think any churches will support me? I don't know about churches plural, but I don't know about one. You get on over there to San Diego. And he did. And he started. I'd been there one time, and he's going up and down those streets, you know, going up on the porch. The sweat just poured off of him. Man, did he love Filipinos. He kind of got started and old. He's not going to live long the way he's working. But there was a young man in the Navy named Larry O'Barrow. One of the other sailors, he was in the, in the American Navy eight years. Most of the Filipinos got to America by serving our country first. They're some of the most patriotic people you'll meet in your life. I was there at that, I go to that church every year. And I was there for Veterans Day a year ago or two years ago. And they had all the veterans of that Filipino church stand up here. And pastor, there was like 958 years of service to America from those men. And so Larry O'Bear was just a young sailor getting out of the Navy. And he met Brother Null. And they hooked up. Brother Null didn't live too much longer than that. Maybe a couple of years or something. He went on to be with the Lord. Brother O'Barrow pastored that church for 33 years, starting with a little group. When he left, their faith promise was over 300,000, and we're talking years ago now. And they're running between five and 600 people. A military man. In fact, he's a military Filipino that wasn't from America. They came to America and started a great church. So now we just say to those of you that are veterans, our work's never done. Sometimes there's a greater need out here than standing guard in a guardhouse. Sometimes standing need and being where God wants us to be with the word of God and with our friends coming up for like friend day. And God wants to use us for that as long as possible. So as we have an invitation here in just a moment, I hope you've thanked God for America several times, but one of the best things you could do for God is the same thing the centurion was doing. Reach out. Yes. Reach out. There's so many people. Let's all stand. We'll have a verse of invitation in a moment. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.